Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. It's your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and y'all are listening to Hella Latino. Today, I am talking to my salvi mommy, Elisa Hernandez, LA native, bilingual host, producer, and check this out, two-time Emmy winner. She is currently the Dodgers Stadium host and field producer for NBC Telemundo Deportes covering Sunday Night Football. Previously, she was the host, producer, and content strategist at NFL Network for the NFL's only U.S. Latino Instagram account called El Snap NFL. Esta cipota, esta wirra, she is out here repping la cultura with her long nails, big hoops, and she's changing the game for brown women in sports. All the cheese is said in here. Let's get into it. Thank you for being here. Of course. No, thanks for having me. I remember it's I remember when that event was and I it was so much going on at the time. Obviously, we get there, we meet everyone. And then I remember we're like, oh, it's on the podcast. And the next thing you know, I get an alert in January and it's like time for the podcast. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like already. Like, I feel like that event was just yesterday. And Girl. obviously now we're here chopping it up. So I'm just like time goes by so fast sometimes that you forget like the process of how you got here sometimes um but yeah i mean girl. i think i think the, the girl there's strength in numbers okay and like, we have to start identifying numbers. like hey like let's link up let's see what's good we have we're, we have yeti mics we have laptops we have lighting like <laughs> you know let's get the movement going <laughs> that part well i want to say this platform is really because for three reasons like one i want to represent the culture because a lot of people similar to what we're talking about right now a lot of people mm-hmm. think Latinidad looks one way, speaks one way, moves and talks one way. And it's just like, no, we we have so many different identities, intersectionalities, culture, richness. Mm-hmm. Like, And I want to represent all of that. And of course, put my yeah. people on, you know, because Central America yeah, is no, represented and we beautiful. So that's <laughs> one. And then two, I want to talk about the vulnerable shit. Like, I know, Elisa, you out mm. here, you're popping. And I know there's a story behind that. Like you just said, we all start somewhere. <laughs> so I want to know that story. Always. I want to know whether it's the come up story, the coming up story. I want to know everything about Elisa. And then I also want to talk about the realness of navigating identity and culture and you doing mm-hmm. it in a male dominated industry. And so we're going to talk about a lot today, but I want to start first with how do you identify and why? It's so funny. I was just having a conversation about this yesterday. And I personally identify as Latina. I just feel like, you know, being Central American, that kind of like lines more. Also, I just like the way it sounds. It's very like smooth. It's very slick. You Latina. Know? Like, I'm Latina. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wish I had like a real deeper meaning than that, right? Because I know that there's 
all these discussions within the Latino community about, you know, am I Latinx, am I Hispanic, am I um, Latina, Latino, you know, and I think that everyone, like you said, everyone has their own journey, everyone has their own identity that they get to shape on their own. And so for me, it's definitely Latina. But if you called me Hispanic, I'm not gonna like, freak out you know it's just when i just prefer being called latina but one of the things that i like to to think is like regardless of what you identify as like just remember that we are all need to be united at all times you know like there is strength in numbers as i was saying earlier and i think like you know we are the majority in this country but we need to get out of of a minority mindset and Mm. realize like we are stronger we are here we're working we're shining we're breaking barriers and you know i think it's important that we respect one another's identity and how we identify but also don't forget like it's all about unity and we have to stick together whether you're part like not latinx or you want to be hispanic or you want to be latina or latino it's like whatever you want to be it's like just make remember like we're all on the same team Girl, and I love that you said that because sometimes, I mean, there's so much <laughs> nationalism in our in our cultura, right? It's like, mm-hmm. no, los hondureños esto, los salvadoreños esto, like, no, yeah. <laughs> we are better because of this or we have better cuisine. Like, there's yeah. always these, like, I mean, some of it's cute and some of it's like, okay, no, you really did us feel like you better, but like, no, you know, it's like we're all, yeah. we're all here. We're all trying to navigate the same systems. Like, we need to have each other's yeah. back at the end of the day, so also, like, love, my love, family's love really mixed. That. Like, our, my family's really mm. mixed. So, like, that's another big reason of why I don't have that kind of mentality because I have family that's Mexican. I have family that's Guatemalan. I have family that's, you know, that's Korean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, like, the United Nations over here, okay? So <laughs> I'm really big on just, like, look, family and everything looks different. Like, my some of my cousins, like, they're a quarter Mexican, Salvadorian, and, and half Korean. It's, like, you know what I mean? And so it's all those things, and I think that's why I'm a little more kind of fluid and flexible with those things because my family is very mixed like it's not like we're only salvadorian in our family and it's like we need to protect the bloodline like no like you know what i mean it's like (laughs) it's very much you know but like you know it'd be like that sometimes but i think my family they're just like look what makes you happy what grows and prospers our family we're with it and i think that's the beauty in it, and that's why I said, like, regardless of where you are, or whatever it is, you're Latino. Like, my cousins mm-hmm. that are half Korean, guess what? You're Latino, too. You know what I mean? Because you speak Spanish, you speak Korean, Korean, and you speak English. Like, you know, so I think it's important that we just remember, like, again, like, we are the majority. And let's just not get stuck in a minority mindset. Love that. And I want to talk about before Elisa became this like pop in figure. <laughs> let's bring it back to little Elisa. Like, tell me about whether it's your immigration oh, story, your parents. Tell me about how Elisa came to be. <laughs> well, I'm the youngest of four. I am first generation here, but I was born here. My parents came over with my older, my oldest brother. And then they had my second brother here and then my sister here and then obviously myself. So I am the baby and I'm the only one in sports. Like everyone else has gone more the traditional route of like, you know, medical or legal or, you know, something in that field or like self-employment. Right. So like my uncle runs his own company. My dad has his own self-employment company. Like, you know, everyone is kind of like in their own. But I'm the only one that kind of broke out into like this media space. Right. And I was always a tomboy growing up and (laughs) I loved hanging out with the boys and running around and getting dirty and, you know, all that stuff. 
And it's really funny because, you know, I think back when I was younger and I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I know the components of what I wanted to do. Right. So like, I knew I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk to people. I knew I wanted to watch sports. I knew I wanted to somehow learn more about people that work in sports. And so when I got older and I realized like, oh, like sports journalism, like that's kind of cool. And I got into that. It was kind of like, all right, I think I I found what I want to do. I was very lucky to have that because, you know, a lot of people don't know what they want to do. And especially Mm -hmm. at a really young age, like I was running around with a tape recorder interviewing my siblings, like what they want for dinner. Like I was just (laughs) like, you know, we're not sure what mom's going to make tonight, but like, what are you thinking? And they're like, and they're just like, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's kind of how I would do it, you know, when I was little and I never saw anyone like me on TV, especially on English media. I never saw anybody like me. And obviously I got really good lighting. So I look really light skinned now, but I am a much darker skin tone Latina. You can kind of see it down here a little bit, but I am a darker skin Latina and I'm the only girl in my family that has this skin tone. Everyone else is light like you, light like my hand. Like they're very light, light skin Latina. And, you know, we're earlier speaking just about like our identity and things like that. Like, I, I really do applaud my parents for not making me self-conscious about that and really teaching me to love my skin and love my, you know, love how dark my skin is and love that I get darker in the summer. And, you know, obviously they would poke fun. All my siblings would poke fun. They'd call me Negrita and all these things. But it's like I learned to really love my shade of Latina. And really understand like, yeah, you're not less or more Latina because you're light or you're dark or your hair is wavy and your sister's hair is curly or whatever. It's like, we all have these different shades in our family. And so for me, it's like, I, but that's part of why I identify with the boys so much because all the boys are dark. My uncles, my cousins, my grandfather, <laughs> they were very, very dark. So I was kind of like, I'll go my people's <laughs> over there. And, you know, that's how I was like growing up. Eventually, like, obviously I realized like, okay, like I can start like really trying to be a girly girl but like I didn't wear makeup really until like senior year of high school like I didn't and even then like it was like mascara and lip gloss like that was it and I didn't really put on like I didn't learn how to do my makeup like for real no lie to like less than 10 years ago like 20 girl like 17 I think now I can't yeah like like it Yeah, now I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little better. But like, girl, like it is a art form. And like, shout out to Mm -hmm. my girl, Rakita. She used to work the front desk at the NFL. And when I was working for the Lakers, this wonderful woman would, on her break, she would literally go with me to the bathroom and she would do my makeup for Laker games. Because I didn't know how to do my makeup. I love it. So it's like, like, you know, and then eventually she was like, all right, girl, you got to learn. And I was like, all right, (laughs) I'll give you your breaks back. But it was one of those things that kind of created like little Lisa into the Lisa that I am now. It's just like, you know, leaning on your village, regardless if it's your friends, you know, or your family. I want to ask you about sports. and Like, (laughs) what was the beginning of your love for sports? Is it because you were hanging out with the boys? Were they watching sports? Like, where did your love for sports come from? Uh, My love for sports came from playing sports. Mm -hmm. It came from the quality time that I was able to spend with my older brothers, right? Like whether we're playing tackle football in the backyard or basketball or whatever it was, soccer, rollerblading, whatever it was. I just always like associated sports with family and I always associated Mm -hmm. like sports with like unity. And it really didn't matter like how different we were. If we root for the same team, it's all good. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to know mm-hmm. anything about you. I, if you're a Laker fan, we're friends. If you're a Broncos fan, we're family. If you're a Dodgers fan, like, come on, primo, let's go. You know, so I think <laughs> it's one of those things that I always kind of connected. And, you know, when I was learning about sports, it was it was kind of a badge of honor in a way for like my brothers to be like, oh, my sister knows sports, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I do. You know, like it was, yeah. it was kind of like that honor and like that pride for my, for me, like to have my brothers be proud of that. Right. Like, oh, my sister's mm-hmm. tough. Like she can play tackle football. And I'm like, yeah, I can. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it was, it was like that badge of honor. And realistically I was playing more sports, not like in a league or anything, but I was playing more sports in the backyard than I was actually watching and consuming. And then finally, my brother took me to my first Laker game. It was when Kobe came back from injury. It was Kobe versus Allen Iverson in Staples Center. It was my first game ever. And he surprised me. And he literally pulled Staples Center. I had never been inside. He threw a jersey at me. And he's like, we're going to the game. And I'm like, what? And it was amazing. We were in section one, like 112. Like, it was the greatest game. Obviously, we won. And that's when I was, like, really starting to really pay attention to basketball. And obviously Kobe came around and so I was became a really big Laker fan, a really big Kobe fan. And then obviously we were blessed with so many championships that like it just stuck. But that's kind of really where it grew from. It grew from me playing with my brothers in the backyard and feeling that acceptance because I wasn't a girly girl, right? Like now, like obviously I have like I have nails and like I wear hoops and my hair's all, you know, long and stuff. But like when I was younger, like my hair was in a ponytail. And half the time I was trying to wear my brother's clothes, you know what I mean? Because I'm just like, just give me a big shirt. Let's go, you know? And my mom's like, oh. So I think, like, that kind of, like, pride that I that I felt from them, you know, when they were able to brag about me loving sports, I was like, you know what? I do. And then when I actually started watching and consuming sports, I was like, oh, wow. I really yeah. am what I say that I am. So that's where it all started. I love that story. And I love your connection to your brothers because I also grew up with four <laughs> older brothers and I it's a different mm. feeling being like a girl in a household with men. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> because like, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm like, I'm so happy I have all my brothers in my life because mm. they really, it's a different upbringing and it's a different connection. And that's why when you're talking about yeah. it, I feel like my heart is like all warm because I know exactly that's what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And I mean, I have my older sister too. Yeah. And I have my older sister too. I have older brothers and an older sister. And, you know, you, can, you kind of take pieces of them. And my sister, bless her heart, I feel like she was kind of just waiting for the moment. She's going to be like, girl, you're going to grow out of this at some point. You're going to need clothes and makeup uh, and hair. And, like, that's where I come in. And she has. You know, like, remember she did my hair for homecoming and stuff like that. So each of them played such a big part in making me who I am, you know. But I will give my sister credit in the sense that she helped me find my love for baseball. That obviously mm-hmm. came came much later. I was a really big basketball, football person. I never understood baseball but I never gave it the chance. And she was a big Dodger fan always. Don't really know how that happened, but <laughs> uh, she was always kind of like Dodger games are fun. Baseball's cool. And I'm like, is it? And finally, when I kind when my life took me in that direction, she was really there to be like, yes, this is this player. And it's, it was so crazy. Cause I'm like, wait, I know I do this to you, you know, like for football and basketball. And there she was like telling me about these players. So they each kind of really played a part. It was all very different. But like I said, like my tomboy side and my girly girl side finally kind of met in the middle. And then here I am. <laughs> you sit with the nails. Here I am. 
how how what's the connection between you you know going to your first game seeing Kobe to then finding a career in in sports like tell me about that I'm, I'm sure it's a long story and we got time but tell me about that transition I know I'm like yeah bro, how like, long is this podcast girl we got we got an we hour need, together we 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 need a we need a six part we need a 10 part series like <laughs> like Jordan we can um, make that happen Right. You know, it was, it was what I just, I wanted to go. I realized that I wanted to go on the court. Right. But I didn't, it wasn't to like shoot the basketball or like meet the players. I was like, I want to go talk to them. Like, I want to talk to Kobe after this. And I, what does he think about this? And he just went against Allen Iverson. I want to know what Allen Iverson thinks. Like that's where my mind was racing. Right. And Mm. I remember I was a big writer. Well, I am a big writer. And so I wrote a poem after the game is actually taped to my wall, so it's kind of far, so I can't read it from here. But like, I, I taped this to my wall, and it's a poem that I wrote about me going to my first game, and that, and I literally cut out clippings and everything from that game. And it was one of those things that, like, I realized, like, whoa, like I want to know more about the game itself, right? And I want to know mm-hmm. how athletes function, and I want to know, you know, why did Kobe do this instead of doing this? Why did Allen Iverson go here instead of going there? You know? And so I think like when I started that curiosity process, that's when I was like, Hmm, okay, cool. And then again, once I started consuming sports, it was like, Oh, I really like John Ireland. Oh, I really like this person. And then, Oh, I I see Pam Oliver on the sidelines for, you know, for football. And for me, Pam Oliver was the first woman that I saw that was a darker, obviously she's African-American she's black, but She's the first one I saw that your darker skin tone, you're on TV and you're badass at your job and you're amazing and you're talking, you have the respect and the command of the players and people are coming to you, you know, first thing. And I was just like, wow, like I was so impressed by her. And obviously she's still killing it to this day. And I think for me, it was like, okay, like I want to do that. I want to do what she does. Right. I want, I want to be there. And I had to like, you know, figure out how do I get there? You know, what do I need to do to get there? What do I need to look like? What do I need to sound like? You know, and that's where that process starts. But seeing a Latina woman in sports, you know, darker skin Latina woman sports do TV, like it's, you just, you don't see it. And especially in the English market. And so I think for me, being first generation here, you know, Spanish being my first language, and then I learned English second, it was like, okay, how do I fit into this mainstream, right? Like, obviously, I'm Salvadorian. I'm Salvadorian. I'm American. Like, how do I balance the two? And I think people are always surprised. They're like, wait, like, Spanish is your first language? I was like, yeah. Like, it's not my, you know, like, dominant language anymore because, obviously, I've been, I've lived in the U.S. my whole life. But, yeah, I spoke Spanish yeah. first. My dad went, we went through very many years where my dad would not speak to me if, unless I spoke to him in Spanish. Like, I'd be like, dad. And he'd be like, I'm like, bah, ah, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> and so, but I always, I'm very grateful to them for that because it is one of my biggest strengths now as I kind of go in deeper into this, this field. I, first of all, have so many questions <laughs> about you entering this field because you, I feel like there's so much power in seeing yourself represented <clears throat> and yeah. it, it's almost like, I think Viola Davis said something like this. She was like, seeing yourself represented is like, it's like a manifestation of the dreams that you have and knowing that it's attainable. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can do that too. That person's there. But you were like, you don't see it. Let me be one of the first to do it. Let me be one of the first to like maneuver this, this like (laughs) uncharted territory, which is first gen AF. How did you remain confident and have conviction and like, I can do this despite what 
these signals that I'm getting that there is no dark skin Latina on TV in the English market? How did you not let what isn't existing kind of prevent you from breaking into that industry? Um, I think the way that I was able to kind of maneuver that is just like, there's nothing wrong with being the first, like, and I, I think I learned that from my parents, right? Because they were, you know, <clears throat> the first in their families to immigrate to a whole new country, right? And like, just because they hadn't done it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, they came over here with nothing. And they were able to raise four kids. And my dad built my mom's dream house when I was in high school, like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, in like Pasadena, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's unheard of, you know, like my parents are homeowners. They have a big house in a way that they would have never thought like growing up in San Salvador, you know? And I think having that grit and knowing like, yo, like if my parents can leave everything and fly to a whole new, go to a whole new country and start over completely, get citizenship, you know, and create a family, create a house and home, I can break into this industry. <laughs> no, it was like, Period. not to be dramatic, but it's just like, it's like, it's like, uh, that Kim Kardashian, like with Courtney is like, there are people who are dying, Kim. Like, it's just like, there are yeah. more serious things going on in the world. Like you can break into this industry. Like it's not, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. And I think that mentality of like, there's nothing wrong with being the first. And even if I'm not the first and I'm not the one that, you know, makes it and blows up all over the, all over, you know, the country and everyone knows my name. Even if I go and, and I have a girl that's Central American, she leapfrogs me and she does it too. Go on girl, do it. Like I, I want, you don't break down the door. So only you get in, you break down the door so everyone can follow behind you. And I think that's the biggest thing that mm. keeps me going. And it does get hard. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not hard. It is hard. It is hard to see other people get opportunities and you don't. It is hard to see, you know, why don't they want me? And like, well, what what else do I have to do? Like, sometimes you do feel like the goalpost keeps getting pushed back, right? It's like, oh, Elisa, you don't do this. I go do that. Well, now you don't do this. And I go do that. And it's like, well, what about this? And you're just like, what do I have to do to get the opportunity? But I think what I learned was that people invest in people, right? And I don't want to be in a position where someone is looking at me like, oh, she's going to fail and we're not going to help her succeed because that's not how it works either. You know, I think that you need to have people in your corner that are going to go, go to bat for you. And some of my best friends that are in the industry, they all, everyone has the same story where it's like, I don't know what I was doing. This, this, and this one person took a chance on me. That one person mm -hmm. said, you know what? I'm going to train this girl. You know what? You've never done this sport. I'm going to teach it to you. You know what? You know, you need to work on your Spanish. Here's a tutor, whatever it is. Everyone has that one person that kind of comes in. And I've had great people in my life that have helped me. I'm not going to say that I haven't, but I am still looking for that one person in the sense of the industry I really want to be in, which is obviously on camera to be like, you know what? I want, I want Elisa to be the host of this or the reporter of this or whatever. And I think for me, I'm such a perfectionist and I, <laughs> I'm not patient at all, but <laughs> it's like, are you, are you, you know, a Leo? <laughs> you know what? I was raised around Leos. Okay. Uh, all my families are Leos and my mom is a scorpion and I'm a Libra. So imagine me trying to keep ooh, peace in the house with lions and scorpions. Like, it's just like, it's madness. But you know, that is where my lack of patience comes from sometimes. But I think for me, it's just like, you know what? Everything's going to happen. 
you know, I'm a true, true believer. Everything happens for a reason. And obviously I got the opportunity to, I'm, I had the opportunity. I'm the host of the LA Dodgers. I'm the in-stadium host for LA Dodgers. You know, I've had opportunities to work for NBC on camera. I've done sit down interviews. So it's not like I'm not doing what I want to do, but in my head, I'm like, I want to do it every day. And they're just like, please don't breathe. <laughs> so that is where that impatient comes from. But I think, you know, when you kind of try to find your footing, it's like, just keep going because how many other women have been in this position? They're just like, you know what? I'm just going to stop and I'm going to go do something else. Mm. And then we never get past that barrier. We never get past that door. And I think for me, my friend MJ Acosta Ruiz, you know, she's Afro-Latina, she's Dominican, and she is someone that I admire. And obviously I'm grateful for her friendship, but I'm also grateful for what she represents. And she knows that too. And she takes a lot of pride in something as simple as wearing your hair naturally curly on TV, you know, to talk football, you know, be be the main host on the flagship show, all these things that she did and will continue to do. She was just on the Kelly Clarkson show, you know? And so I think, again, it's like, I want to have more MJs and more Elisas, you know, out there. Tell me about that first opportunity. Like, what was the first moment where you were like, <laughs> okay, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. And what were some of the barriers that maybe were around you or yeah. that you faced? My first opportunity that I felt that was on my way is actually when I was in college, I interned on a magazine called Campus Circle Magazine. And the reason why I felt that even though I wasn't on camera is that I got the opportunity to cover the Lakers, right? And I'm in college. And so here it is. Here's a credential to go to Staples Center. And I'm just like, me? (laughs) Y'all know I'm a super fan, right? Like I might run around in here. And like, go like, look for Kobe, you know? And so, and I think like when I got that opportunity, I, I remember they were like, yeah, we need you to go cover this game and, and go write an article on it. And I'm like, uh, okay, you know? And so I go wow. and I walk in and it was like, like the first thing I did was practice, right? So I just went for practice and I walked in and like, you know, I see John Ireland and I see this person and Jim Hill and all these like people that I've seen on TV. And I'm just like, why am I here? Like, like, um, was there a mistake that was made? Because why am I standing in this room with all these people that I respect? And I realized at that moment that these are the rooms I'm trying to be in. And this is the room that I'm trying to make my name known as well, right? And I want to get to a point one day where someone walks in, they're like, oh my God, Alisa Hernandez is in here. And I'm just like, show him, you know? So I think like, when I started, when I got that first opportunity, I was kind of like, wow, like I'm really here. And of course, like I took my pictures and, you know, was like, oh my God first day of school you know kind of vibes up. <laughs> you said. know but it's like you realize like okay like now I have to refocus and I have to do what I what I what I'm here to do which is interview people talk to people and it's on my Instagram but I have this picture it was a scrum with Kobe and he's my favorite player right and so I'm little so that's one of the things like I have to figure out how I'm gonna get past you know, 35 cameras to talk to Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, I like maneuver and wiggle and I'm in front of Lisa Leslie and Jim Hill. And I'm like, you're good. Right. And they're like looking down at me like, you're fine. I'm like, cool. And I literally stick my phone out and someone took a picture and it's literally like a crowd of people and like my face, like, that's it. Like no neck, no shoulders, no nothing. And then my phone and my phone case literally is Lakers. And I'm like, God, could I be any more like unprofessional? Yeah. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid. And so, you know, we, we interviewed, I did my article, things like that. But I think when that happened, 
I realized, like, you know what? Like, I held my own. Like, no one came and was like, okay, Lisa, you stand here. And, you know, it's like, no, like, it's every man for itself. It's very, you know, survival of the fittest, especially when it's a big scrum like that. And there's one player and you're either going to be stuck in the back trying to listen or you're going to be right in the front. And I was like, I'm going to be right in the front. And so when I was able to do that with no help in the sense of like, no one was giving me room to do it. I was like, you know what? I can hold my own in this space, but I have to hold my own in this space. No one's going to give it to me. No one's going to be nice. No one's going to be like, oh my gosh, she's just like, she's a student. No one cares. No one cares. And I have to care. I have to care hard enough to put myself in a position where I get what I need and I hold my own in a room of people that I respect because that's how you gain respect from other people. Girl, and how do you do that being hella Latina (laughs) at the same time? Because one thing I loved about you when you came in was that you were like, I, in, in your speech too, when you won that award, the fierce speech yeah. too, like you were like, I wear my nails, my hoops, my lipstick. Like you were yeah, so, no. so um, like, so on point of just owning your Latinidad and what that looks yeah. like and manifests like for you. How do you gain respect and still uh, hold your own in terms of identity? Because that's something that I feel like <clears throat> a lot of people that listen to this platform, they tell me like, how do you yeah. own, how do you own your identity, hold your own in a space that they're not used to you? Like, how do you do all those things and do it? Because it looks effortlessly to me, but I know this probably took some effort at the time. But tell me. I think for me, like the way I'm able to hold on to my Latinidad and things like that is because it's true to who I am. Like, it's not a gimmick. It's not something I do for likes or clicks or anything. It's like, it's truly who I am. Like, who I am there is who I am with my friends and who I am with my family. Like, I am that person. Like, I am very proud to be Salvadorian. I'm very proud to represent my country wherever I go. And especially growing up, right? Because growing up, especially being in LA and being in Los Angeles and growing up in California, like, everyone assumes that you're Mexican because the border's right there. It makes sense. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was very adamant where I was like, I'm not Mexican. And I would always be, I wouldn't be like, I'm not Mexican. I'd be like, I'm not Mexican. Stern face. (laughs) They're just like... Oh, I am and you I'm and like, you are me, girl. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, and then I, I would always say, like, ain't nothing wrong with being Mexican. Shout mm-hmm. out. I'm just not Mexican. So don't call me yeah. something that I'm not. It's the principle of not calling me, of calling me something that I am not. I am not Mexican. I am Salvadorian. And, <laughs> you know, I was always very strong about that. Right. And so it's always been a part of my identity. Right. And I would always, my friends to like make me mad. They'd be like, oh, you know, at least it's Mexican. I'd be like, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, she's salvy, yeah. she's salvy. You know, I'd always go that look like, don't make me come over there. Because they knew that I was very, very proud of who I am. And I was very proud. And I wanted everyone to know, like, yeah, like I'm Salvadorian. Like, you're going to ask me, I'm going to tell you. And I think that carried over, especially going to USC, you know, which is a primarily very affluent families go there. And mm-hmm. that culture shock was also something else, right? And I also was a little lost there because I'm like, do any of the Salvadorians come here? Because like I don't, I don't see them. Like where are they? And so you know, again, it's like I was, I always felt the minority. Therefore, I always wanted to carry the majority mindset, though. And that's what I was talking about earlier. It's like just because I'm the one Salvadorian in this class, y'all gonna know I'm the one Salvadorian in this class. Like you know, mm-hmm. I, I was to always say that all the time. And so I think for me, that's just been part of my like my makeup. Right. And so now when I got older and I'm in, you know, these spaces, 
I realized like, you know what? Like I have to be me. I plan to do this job and this career for the rest of my life. I better be true to who I am or I'm going to be miserable. Like I Mm. need to own who I am and how I am and own that. Like my closest friends and the people that love me, they know like, yeah, Lisa's going to say what's on her mind. She's going to be blunt. It may not be always be pretty, but you're never going to wonder what she's thinking because she's just going to tell you. And I think that's part of what carried over. Right. And so when I got into sports heavily, I was like, okay, I have to dress up. I have to do this. What about what, how can I mix the two? Right. Cause obviously you do want to be professional. You do have to play the game. You do have to conform to certain things. There's nothing wrong with that, but I can still wear my hoops. I could still, you know, wear my two, like my necklaces or my chains or whatever. I could have my nails done, et cetera, because those they're just things how you represent those things is how people accept them right so if i have these long nails and i'm walking in and i'm late and i'm you know talking all crazy and be like oh god that girl you know but (laughs) if i have these long nails and these hoops and i'm on time i'm sitting in the front i'm asking really good questions you see players respecting me you see the coaching management talk to me you're gonna start changing what that represents when you see a girl in sports with hoops and long nails So Mm -hmm. for me, it's really important to let people know, like, it's not a gimmick. You know, I've gotten my nails since I was 15 years old. I have the battle scars of broken nails to show for it, as we all know. But I think it's important to change that narrative of like, just because I have long nails and hoops and, you know, I have one or two chains, it doesn't mean anything. Stuff changes all the time. And I think the biggest thing that's on a much smaller scale is something as simple as like, reporters wearing dunks and and jordans to the games now that was never a thing before if you're a reporter you were all most time you were in heels especially in baseball which is crazy because there's dirt everywhere but the reporters (laughs) were heels because if you wear shoes you're like oh my gosh she's so unprofessional now you look crazy if you wear heels you look crazy if you're on the field in heels but again why because it's about the person who's filling those shoes you walk in and you're wearing you know air maxes or whatever but you make it look fly. You're doing your job. People respect you. The players, the people have no idea. Be like, oh, that's her. And that's, that's who she wants to be. And I think for me with nails and hoops, it was really important to kind of keep those things because I've been told, oh, hoops are unprofessional. I'm like, to who? <laughs> to who? To who are the professionals? How, are they, how is a metal hoop unprofessional? Please explain that part to me. Or is it the person you saw with those metal hoops was unprofessional? Because Mm -hmm. that's a different conversation. So I think for me, when I do wear hoops and when I do have my nails and they're blue or like right now, they're like literally different shades of purple. I understand what I'm doing. And I understand that when I walk into a room, you're going to double take really quick and be like, who is this girl? But then when I handle mine, you're going to be like, oh, that's that girl. And I'm like, yeah. Because again, like it is what you represent and it's what you let people associate these things with. Because when you see me, you're gonna like you're gonna know. Lisa always has soup, she always has nails, but she always gets her she always gets stuff done. Like sure do. So it's like that's really why and how I've been able to keep part of my Latina and part of like what I feel represents stuff and, and to me and things like that. And I was like, it's just how many Latina girls out there get their nails done? Girl, How many Latina girls walk coffin? Exactly, girl. exactly. <laughs> like since quinceañera, like you know what I'm saying. It's like, girl, like nothing wrong with that. And I've had girls tell me, like, oh, I met you know this reporter that I like. I guess her nails were like, I don't know what color they were. 
but I guess the reporter t- told her like, oh, you should you should probably just do nude colors because the color you have isn't professional. And it's just mm-hmm. like, again, to who? To who? It's like we have to try. We have to start changing the narrative because it's not unprofessional if it's truly who you are. I wear hoops all the time. I just posted a throwback on my Instagram from high school, and I'm literally wearing these big old hoops and uh. and like these Elmo Dunks, these Elmo Air Forces. And I posted myself of me at the um, Cowboys practice facility, and I'm in Dunks and big hoops, and I'm like, it is, it is what it is. Like I've always been this person, and you can always stick to being that person that's truly who you are. And that's what I always tell people, like, be unapologetically yourself. Do not be sorry for being yourself. If it's truly who you are, never apologize. For what? What are you apologizing for? Like, no. Because they're they're uncomfortable. Like, that's really why people apologize, why we apologize. Like, it's because Mm -hmm. we make other people feel uncomfortable. I just posted this whole story on my nails on nails, like just nails from, from the brown and black community, because that is part of our culture, our identity. And I remember one of my first internships, I had my long nails. I think they were like, they were some sort of like color, you know, we'd like the popping colors. I'm (laughs) a little, I'm a little natural right now, but I remember being there first internship, first corporate space. And I'm overhearing this conversation between two women, mm-hmm. older women, white women, mm-hmm. and they were talking about this grocery store experience. And she's like, oh, she had the longest nail. She couldn't even type on the thing and blah, blah, blah. And the other girl's <laughs> like, oh, and like, you know, they're kind of like throwing shit. Yeah. And I'm over here yeah. looking at my nails like, ain't no way. Like, what? <laughs> and and like, ain't nothing like, I can't do. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I, I made a joke because I'm like, I always hear it in every space that I'm in. How do you type with those nails? Yeah. I'm like, easy. You use this little Oh, little it's right here. so it's easy. Like you see this? <laughs> right. I'm like, listen, I'm going to find a way to look fly and still get my job always. done. But that's the thing. Always. That's what we have to change is that sometimes they're not used to people that look a certain way, dress a certain way, and then they mm-hmm. don't know how to act. And I feel like you just got to take the space, make it revolutionary. Like, listen, this is who I am. I'm a top of my nails. You're going to hear clickety clack the whole time. It's part of, it's part of who I am. It's my favorite. It's my favorite sound. Thank you. I said the same thing. So I was like, doesn't get, I was like, I love this sound. Okay. Also like I have little hands. My hands look bigger because my nails are super long. But if like, if these nails are gone, they're like baby hands. I'm like a little like T-Rex over here. So it's just like, no, like I need this. I need, I need this to fill my tall girl energy. Okay. A girl is five, one, five, two on a good day. Like I need to find ways to fulfill. (laughs) Yes. Hand it over. Hand it over. Okay, y'all see Girl. life in a whole different world up there. <laughs> it is different. It is different. The weather's different. Yeah. Just Girl. But Girl. I, you know, one thing that I love about you just like owning who you are too is that there's no, it's almost like this is just who I am and you're sharing it with the world because yeah. you are, I mean, you're at the Dodger Stadium, your, your face is there, like you, your presence alone is revolutionary to the space. Like it is... Mm-hmm not seen before it's not seen often like I think about all the people that are at that Dodger Stadium the little Latina girls the little brown skin <laughs> girls that are looking at you like look at her she's there I can mm. do that too and I think that yeah. it's you being so aware of what your presence means in that space I think it's 
it allows you to just be free because you know this is making a difference in somebody's life, whether it's one person to a hundred, like it's making a difference in how they see women in sports. Is that how you feel? Yeah. And I think it really didn't hit me how big of an impact I was having when I started working with the Dodgers um, as a host, because you know, I'm just kind of doing what I always do. Right. But the thing is, I I didn't realize that my audience had grown, like despite literally being on the jumbotron, you know, I don't think they're really paying attention. You know what I mean? I don't think people are actually watching the pregame show, but they do like Dodger fans are unmatched when it comes to supporting their team. And I mean, every aspect of their team from the Dodgers foundation Mm. to the host to, you know, the analysts that work, you know, on site, all those things. And I remember one time I had these two girls come up to me and they were like, oh my God, I was in a Centerfield Plaza. We had just finished doing a hit and this, this two girls come up to me and they're like, oh my God, can we see your nails? And I had, they were like blue. They were like really like royal blue and like one was white with like two lines and a heart. It was all kind of crazy stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, oh my gosh, like we love your nails. Like we love that you, your nails are always done on Dodger Vision. And I'm like, huh? Like, it didn't re- like in my head. I'm like, I'm always have my nails done whether I'm on Dodger Vision or not. But for them, mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, but your nails are royal blue, girl. <laughs> like they're so and they're long and they're this and they're they're loud and they're just like, no, we like we love it. Like, and I'm just like, oh, like thank you, whatever, whatever. I had someone else come see one time and she it was like it was a, a mom and her daughter and she's like oh like my daughter wants to say hi to you and I was like yeah of course I go up and the daughter's like oh my god I love that you wear hoops on all your shows. I'm just like, and and she was like, I love that your hoops are big. Like she was like, and she was like maybe like 14 or something. And I'm just like, oh, I'm like, you know, I was like, yeah, I got to wear them. And she was like, yeah, I really like it. When I started getting that reaction, when I started getting that, it just it was just like, whoa, like I'm really influencing, you know, and, and being something, someone like you said, that goes to Dodger game. It's like, wow, I can be like her, you know, or I, I can, because obviously we have a different Latinas on our staff, you know, we have Jess, we have Natalia, we have Jackie, um, but we all look very different, right? And we all have our different ways of expressing how I want to do, like Jackie, Jackie's hair is always like super cute, right? I'm like, girl, I can't do my hair. I mean, I don't know she does her own hair, but girl, her hair is always cute. And, but again, it's like, I, like that, that's her, you know, it's how she expresses part of like her personality. Me, it's my mm-hmm. nails and my hoops. Then I started wearing like chains. Like I, I love chains. So, like I have like a chain that has an LA symbol. I have a diamond chain that has an LA pendant on it. I've worn that. Again, people are like, yo, like your, your chain's so dope. I love that you wear a chain. And it's just like, again, I can accept that and I can feel good about that because I know that's truly who I am. I'm going to wear that chain whether I'm at Dodger Stadium or not. Mm-hmm. You only feel wrong for doing it if you're only doing it to get attention like oh i'm a i'm, I'm a seymour latina if i wear this chain no i wear this chain because i have it because <laughs> i bought it you know regardless of this job or not and i think once i started getting more people coming up to me and dming me and messaging me and like hey like you know we love we love that you're that you love representing salvadorian night we love that you're hosting on salvadorian night we love that you you said cipote and bicha during the during the show and things cipote. like that, you know. And it was just like, yeah, but like it's just natural for me. But for them, it's like, yeah, but no one does it, like you know what I mean. And so I think pushing those mm-hmm. barriers was always something that I was I didn't realize I was doing as I was doing it and getting that recognition from fans and people. I was like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna represent y'all too then, right? And I think um I think one of the biggest things 
was I hosted a Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation event. It was the dream dream team. So basically it's, you know, all kind of kids, underprivileged kids that are part of this baseball, you know, all part of the Dodgers baseball teams. And they had their big finale like celebration. Right. And so I hosted it. And I'm reading through the announcements and it's something simple, like, hey, make sure you visit UCLA Health. They're giving out free glasses, stuff like that. Like, and I'm looking at the crowd and it's primarily Latinos. And I'm looking mm. at these young kids and I'm looking at who's with them. And it's, they look like my tias and my tios and my mom and my dad and my grandma. And I'm like, do you guys even know what I'm saying? Like, that's what went through my head, right? And so then I was like, y para la gente que acaba de llegar, no se preocupen, pueden ir a visitar a UCLA Health, están dando exámenes de, del ojo y ahí pueden agarrar lentes gratis. And I literally saw this lady look up at me. And then she looked at the kid and then she didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. She just, she walked in that direction. And for me, I was like, oh, I'm gonna start doing this bilingual then. Okay, let, let's get this going. So anything that I did in English, I did, I translated in Spanish for the rest, for the rest mm -hmm. of the show. And, you know, I just did that because I'm like, my parents have been those parents where they have to go to a primarily English dominated event and they sit there and they smile with the, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that they're uncomfortable because they're not really understanding what's going on. And I would never want them to feel like that if I can prevent that. And so I started doing that anytime I hosted an event for the Dodgers Foundation to the point where I then started getting requested to host this events because they were like, we love that you translate. We love that you talk to them in Spanish. But I would like, and that's what I mean. I don't do these things to be like, oh, I'm going to show off my Spanish and I'm going to show them. No, I'm just doing it because I'm like, that Thea does not understand that she can go over right. there and get free and get free glasses. She doesn't understand that. And no one's going to tell her. So I'm going to tell her. And that's really where it comes from. And it was, it's very ingrained in me from being raised by my grandparents and spending a lot of time with my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles and, and things like that. And I think, you know, communication and clarity is so valuable and it's so, it's one of those hidden gems that people think that people take for granted. And it's like, you can listen, but unless you're comprehending what I'm saying, you're not, you're not going to get it. And so for me, that was a really big mm -hmm. thing that I did. And I think, again, like, it's just that what I continue to push, like the fight is, it's not always a fight. Sometimes it's just clarity and just, you know, showing people where they can go versus it's not always a battle when it doesn't always need to be a battle. Instead of me going and be like, why aren't things in Spanish and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. But right now, what can I solve? I can solve that you guys don't know what I'm talking about because I can see it in your faces. So let me let me let you know what I'm talking about. And then we go from there. See, but that girl, that is so powerful because I we, we were the translators. Like we were the translators oh in those spaces. Fact. And it's like now you're at the forefront and now you get to translate for a multitude of people. Like I remember just saying yeah. like, mommy, look at that. You know, like I would be, I would literally yeah. be listening and then translating, listening and then translating. And there's yeah. some moments where I do, but like you, I just, I'm thinking of like the power of that, like where you come from yeah. this Pasadena girl, right? Like in a, in a space with your grandparents speaking to them yeah. and then now being at the Dodgers foundation and speaking to other folks, like, now you're speaking to your community and yeah. speaking of how does it feel working for the Dodgers because you an LA girl <laughs> like how does it feel to work for uh, your team <laughs> oh man well I told you like I, I definitely feel like I'm living part of my sister's dream right because she was the big Dodger fan growing up mm -hmm. um but I think for me 
once I truly learned baseball and I learned how to score a game, shout out to Alana Rizzo for teaching me how to do that. And it really opened up the game for me, right? And I realized like, wow, baseball is amazing, right? And like now, now I know like a game that's zero to zero, it's not a boring game. It's probably one of the most exciting games to watch. But you know, when you're growing up, you don't know those things, right? And so you learn them. And you know, when I started working for the Dodgers, it was always a thing I took pride in, right? Because I was like, okay, let me take these years. I'm, I'm going to learn what to do. Obviously, we won the World Series in 2020. I was, a, I was a field producer during that time. And then I transitioned to on camera. And when I did that, you know, my it brings me happiness because me, my dad, and my sister really began to bond more over Dodger games, right? So we would take my dad to Dodger games. We would watch Dodger games at home. And my dad started understanding the game better too. And he would listen to Jaime Harin and, you know, all these things. And so everything I do, there's always a hint of my family. They always have something to do with it. They always creep into my dreams somehow. And like somehow, like they always get a really big benefit out of it. And what I mean by that is my biggest pride of working for the Dodgers is that my parents like, yeah, my daughter works for the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my dad is like, yeah, that's my daughter on screen right there. You know, no big deal. You know, it's just like, because I know how hard they worked and they sacrifice things that they've never even told me they sacrificed so that I can get this opportunity. My life would be so different if they never left, right? I would be in El Salvador, like doing who knows what. Like maybe I'd be like a, I don't know, an influencer attempted to be or but they don't get sports over there like that. They, I mean, they have soccer, but there's it's very limited opportunities. And I recently mm-hmm. went, went back in July and I just, it humbled me in ways that I didn't, I'm, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm pretty humble and it humbled me even more because I realized like my life would be not even a fraction of what it is now. Like my cousins are like, oh my gosh, my dream, my dream is to go to Dodger Stadium. And I'm like, man, like, I'm tired of going to Dodger Stadium. Like, I'm there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm kidding, Dodger fans. I'm not. But I'm saying, like, you realize, like, you know what? I am this first-generation kid that gets to step on this iconic baseball field and call it work. Like, I have to own that. And I have to be grateful for that every time I do it. Every time I grab that microphone and it says Dodgers. Every time that Todd screams you know says my name like your host Elisa Hernandez he always says Hernandez he always has the little flavor at the end mm-hmm. and love it. you know just just stuff like that it's like I was like you know what like I have to represent because I have family back home that is watching me I have family in El Salvador that's like oh like this is my cousin she's at this game this and it's like because I want them to see it too you know regardless if they're able to come over at some point but it's just never too late and I think for me it's like understanding that power understanding that strength like i'm still learning to understand it and i'm still learning to navigate it because i girl i've been thinking i don't be doing nothing i really do i don't i'm like who am i like like honestly and some people are like and oh, you said this, what you yeah, mean? Like, <laughs> like right okay my bad but i have to start acknowledging those things and the more people i meet i love what i meet obviously people from el salvador or people that are salvadorian and i think the biggest thing that they tell me is they're like I was always shy or nervous to say that I was from El Salvador and I it's just everyone has their own journey right and it's so crazy to hear them say I'm like really and they're like last night at dinner we're with some friends and like yeah like I was growing up I never said I was Salvadorian I was like are you kidding me like I was screaming from the rooftops and they're just like yeah no and it's just but they're like (laughs) we love that you are so open and and you know just so proud like it's like because we're just not used to that and 
I, again, that's a really big part of how I grew up. It's a really big part of being the baby and obviously being a scrapper and like, you know, being very blunt and being this and being that. And I always, you know, think back and there's this quote and it was just like, you know, God made me short, but no one's going to make me quiet. (laughs) (laughs) At least I said I never felt seen in my life. You know? (laughs) So it's just one of those things, you know, you just have to. You just have to remember, like, look, at some point, that was you. That was you walking around with your parent that didn't understand English. That was you walking around. And instead of being, you know, embarrassed by it, like, like again, this power of communication, just help. Just help out. Yeah. Not everything, not, not the world, whole world's not against you all the time. You know, sometimes girl. you do have to find that balance. Like, girl, like, I took a job. Fun fact, my grandfather <laughs> I took a job at a doctor's office as a file clerk because he needed someone to translate during his appointments. Oh my so God. So I would literally, after school, it was, I was in high school, I would go to the doctor's office, I'd be a file clerk, and they would always book his appointments when I was working. And when my grandpa would come in, the doctor would be like, Lisa, and I'd go in and I would explain what the doctor was saying to my grandfather. And again, like, could I have been like, oh, mom, I just want to be a teenager. I'm like, no, like <laughs> my grandparents need me. What can I do to help? What can I do to make his life easier? Cool. Let's do it. And that's what I did. And so that's that kind of work ethic and that kind of way of being raised really has carried over into everything that I do. And so if I'm walking around, even even if I'm just out somewhere and I see someone that is struggling to understand, or I can see someone like not being able to comprehend, I'd be like, you know, I'll oh she just wants to know where did it is oh it's over there in this aisle oh it's fine okay okay gracias what what did that take from my day nothing so it's just like i think it's important to you know hold on to that and realize like look you're first generation salvadorian but like your parents at that point were those people and i'm never gonna i'm never gonna grow up and be like oh like i'm better no bro like then of the day like there is power in numbers and there's is power in unity and representation but how are you representative we don't even know what's going on or we don't speak up right speak or we don't say something because <laughs> exactly. no no honestly because i similar to you i'm the youngest of seven too so i hear you we we've had like <laughs> scrappy little little siblings girl, always running you didn't around scrap, girl if you didn't scrap you didn't eat <laughs> no, i mean they will take your Not portion <laughs> especially four brothers three girls like they ate all the food all the time mm. but anyway all the baleadas but oh. literally it was Growing up as the youngest, you feel like you learn so much. You learn so much. And my mom had seven translators in her house. But my older siblings, (laughs) like my older sibling, he doesn't know any English. Like he was older. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you just need to speak up because there's so much pride in when I walk into a corporate space and I see the cleaners, the cooks, and I start speaking to them in Spanish. And they look at me como... Como que los ojos le brillan. Like, they're just so yeah. excited to know that there's somebody working there that mm-hmm. speaks their language, that understands them. And now that it's the, there's a Salvadorian cleaner who's like my BFF. I go in there and I'm like, oh, <laughs> she's like, oh, no, you know, and uh, you're just like, we're just having a whole moment. <laughs> and it's just a vibe. But there's yeah. power in just whether you know the language or not is just being able to show up and say, hey, I see you. We, I'm still it's, one of you. 
you know what I mean? There is power. Yeah, there's power in being seen. There's power in being Mm. acknowledged. Because, you know, especially in today's society, how everyone, you know, really hangs on to titles and how many followers do you have and how many is like, yo, they forget to be human, yo. And it's like, I think for me growing up, you know, helping my parents clean apartments, help. I, I know what it's like to be invisible. And what I mean by that is I've had people literally I'm cleaning the male bathroom and I've had men just walk in. There's a whole sign there. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. do what they got to do. And it's just like, okay, so you don't see me standing here like cleaning, you know? But yeah. to me, they don't because I'm invisible. Well, she's probably like some immigrant worker. Like, who cares about her? And I think for me, wherever I work, regardless of is that NFL, NBC, you know, Lakers, Dodgers, like, I always make it a point to let somehow I see you. I see yeah. you're working. You know what I mean? And. Yeah. You don't bring any less or higher value because we're in Staples Center for different reasons. We're both in Staples Center, aren't we? Ooh. So it's just just like... Mic drop. (laughs) Just saying. Like, I... So I always make sure, like, there's there's power in just letting people know you see them. Letting people Mm -hmm. know that they matter for a second. Hey, thanks for doing this. Hey, da, da, da. Even when I leave hotels and stuff, like, if I see, like, it always... (laughs) it kind of makes me laugh a little bit just because like i know they don't see me like that it's like girl i've been there i was a whole cleaning person like girl like i've been there um yeah but like i'll they'll like like i'll walk out of all time like oh like do you like they're just like like what like why are you asking yeah. me and they'll be like oh no so so oh elisa mucho gusto gracias uh pero no cita nada okay tenga buen día usted también and they're just like what and it's like yeah yeah hi what's your name it's it's yeah you learn that in preschool like you know what i'm saying i see you it's a lost (laughs) art like you know what i'm saying i'm not saying we gotta be best friends but damn can i say hi to you and know your name like what what's the harm in that but to me it's like there's again there's power in being seen there's power in knowing that you matter and some of the people i respect whether they're friends or family are people that go out of their way to let kids, to let teenagers, let grown adults know, like, hey, I see you. I care about what you're doing today. I care about where you're going. Mm-hmm. And it's something as simple mm-hmm. as that. So especially in the Latino community, I think it's very important for all of us to, you know, have each other's back. I know it's not always easy, but instead of, you know, trying to tear each other down, chasing one job, maybe we should start asking why is there only one job? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Period. <laughs> I I want to also acknowledge, Elisa, that you're doing this in your work day to day. Like you, not just those interactions, <laughs> like not just those interactions at the hotel saying what's your name. Like you're doing yeah. this every day. You are helping all of us feel seen. You're helping those girls that want to be in sports, those brown girls, Latina girls. You're helping everyone feel seen. And like Viola <laughs> Davis said, it's a manifestation of what you want. Like mm. you're seeing it play out in real life. Like I can be Elisa Hernandez too. And so I, <laughs> I want to just acknowledge real. and give you your flowers. Like you're doing this <laughs> day, you. every single day, like day in and day out. So shout thank out to you. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Manifestation is real. Speak out Girl. what you want. Put it in the universe, you know. Put it out there. And I will say, like, the Fierce Me Through competition, like, first of all, when I got dominated, I was, like, shocked. Like, I was legit, like, yeah, 
Okay. And then I saw who I'm going against and I'm going against MJ. And I was like, yo, I lost. That's an L. <laughs> like, I'm like, I lost. And I told MJ, I was like, yeah, MJ, I'm going to lose. And she's like, you're not going to lose. Like, people love you. And I was like, nah, dog. Like, I'm going to lose. And so I'll never forget. I was at the USC game and I it was this guy and his, and his son. And I was walking up the seats and he kind of looked at me and then like, he turned back and then he looked at his kid and he like didn't say anything. And I was like, that was weird. Sit down. <laughs> We're le- and then we're leaving to go to him to drink. I come back up and he goes, hey, you're Lisa Hernandez, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he was like, oh, my wife voted for you. <laughs> and the oh. fierce me through competition. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, thank you. Tell her thank you. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to tell her that you were here and you're so nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I think in that moment, I was kind of like, oh shit like okay that was cool but again like i i'm just i'm super humble like i'm sometimes i'm too humble and i really kind of tried to outgrow that over the last couple years and not the being humble part but just the not working in silence part and i think you said something earlier about when you when you when you were talking to the workers and they're just like whoa like you're talking to me but i think it's also like because we were raised especially at fresh generation latinos to just put your head down work hard and get through it right like we're constantly in survival mode we're not in growth mode and i think i respect my family for giving me that like underdog mentality because it has helped me and it's a big part of who i am but i think the other part of it is like yeah but like you don't know what i do though and i think for a long time i i wasn't like that i was very like i'm keep my head down i'm gonna work really hard and they're gonna notice that i'm working super hard and they're gonna promote me on their own they're not because they're going to be like, you know what? Lisa's a really good worker bee in this thing. Why would we take her out? Because then we have to fill her position. And mm-hmm. let's just keep her there. And the girl that's like, kind of okay, we'll put her over here. And I used to be like, mm-hmm. but I'm better than Talk her. About or I'm this and I'm that. And it's like, yeah, but that's the thing. You're too good at something you don't want to do. And that's what I tell everyone that I talk to. And I'm like, never be too good at a job you don't want. It's nothing wrong with putting your best foot forward. There's nothing wrong with showing your work ethic, but you better always make it known like what you really want to do. And that's really what I started doing over the last year. And I wish I would have done it earlier in my career. But again, everything happens for a reason. I'm a I'm always gonna stick true to that. So for me, it's like, no, now I'm posting. Yeah, you know when Daddy Yankee met Tom Brady? That was me. Oh, you know when the football players were wearing cleats with the Mexican flag and the Cuban flag and their position in Spanish? That was me. And I think starting to say that out loud it's not bragging if it's true it ain't cocky if you didn't so it's just like yo it just it is what it is i did that period and you can't argue against that but being in a male-dominated field being a woman in a male-dominated field being a latina woman in a dominated field you're taught to kind of be like just eh, tone it down don't get angry mm. and it's like you know what no one's gonna go to bat for you harder than yourself no one's gonna be your biggest supporter other than you better be your biggest supporter Period. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And that's what Kobe said. And that mama mentality and all that stuff, like, you know, I really take it to heart because it's like, it's true. Like, you have to put your best foot forward. You have to advocate for yourself. You can't control what other people do. You have to control what you can control. But at the same time, you can control what people know, what you bring to the table. And mm-hmm. if it's okay to make it look easy, but you better let them know that it was hard. And you are the reason that it looks so easy, girl. Per- girl, just gonna wrap it up there. Come on. Maybe- 
because you you're saying something that I feel like every Latino Latina needs to hear is that we can't get through we can't get through this life through this this industry whatever industry we're in staying quiet with our heads down like we Mm -hmm. just can't and especially being Latina like no one's advocating for you especially if you're not in a field that's dominated by our culture like who who in the room is advocating for me like who girl and if they are do they even know what to say do they know what I want? That part. That part. That <laughs> so part. Let me Girl, tell sometimes them. it be your own people. Sometimes it be you... your own people Ooh, that girl. have a, you know, crabs in a barrel mentality. And I've had those situations happen to me. And what I do is like, look, the best thing I could do to you <laughs> is cut access off to me. That's it. I don't got to talk. I don't got to talk mess about you. I don't got to spread. I don't got to do nothing. All my biggest flex is me. So guess what? You burn me. Access cut off. Best of luck. Bye. Because you're going to realize, mm-hmm. whoa, Elisa's really well connected. Whoa, Elisa knows this. And you're always going to try to fix it, but you are who you are. And again, that's that very mentality that I came up with mm-hmm. growing up, where I grew up and how I grew up. It's like, no, like, look, I'm going a, I'm to a trust you till you give me a reason not to. And I'll forgive you, but I never go trust you again. You're never gonna get the same me twice. No, uh, and I and I and I carry that into my work, and I carry that into my professional networks because you gotta know, don't play with me. I don't play with my money. Um, I don't play with my time. Because if you play with my money, you don't respect my time. And if you're playing with my time, you're not giving me any money. So yeah, mm-hmm. come on now, let's get it together. And doesn't so, it suck though when you get someone of your own that's like blocking those blessings? Like, girl, oh my like God. you, my, I'm like, yo, this is that for all of us, <laughs> right? I'm and like, about me, like, I'm like, you know, we from the same place. Like, what are you, girl, what are you doing right now? I know. When I'm I like, yo, it, re- time, it, re- it reflects bad on the family. Like, that's how I take that, it. I'm like, bro, it ain't even about me. Like, you're just like, you're messing up for all of us. Girl, and there's something, there's a stereotype that Latinos have that we just don't have trust in anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Thanks. I feel like that's that's something that, I mean, I've had to unlearn, but also like I take into account where that stereotype came from and why we had that belief system. But when you right. are in the space, when there's someone that's like you from the same place as you, like literally this woman was from Central America like me. And I was like, oh, oh, we going to bond. Like we going to be tight. Mm-hmm. And to see when, like, she was starting to block blessings for not just me, but any brown woman on her team, mm-hmm. any black mm-hmm. or brown woman on her team, which that was her whole team, I was like, ain't no way, mm-hmm. ain't no way that someone of our own is blocking yeah. blessings. But it's so sad at the same time because I know that comes from that generational thought of, like, there's only room yeah. for one. It's mm-hmm. only only and one got, of us can be here. You have to keep the status quo or... And that's why I said, I think it's important that we touch on that subject because it ain't all, you know, rainbows and flowers over here on the Latino side either. Like it, it is your own people sometimes. And sometimes like you do, I've had Latino men like really try to block some blessings of mine. And I was just like, why? Like what, like, what do you get out of it? Like what, it, like what is the reason? And it's because they didn't respect my Spanish or they was like, well, she doesn't speak real Spanish. And it's like, what like and again that comes like you said from a very generational thing but i had to learn you know some of my biggest advocates weren't always latino Mm -hmm. they weren't and some of my biggest adversaries were latino and that is the ugly truth of being in media and being in sports and things like that but you have to learn to take the punches and be like all right cool like i now know this about you cool i will i will now learn to maneuver differently around you 
And I mm-hmm. think you kind of maneuver in the industry. You kind of you kind of learn what people you can lean on, right? And I've had amazing Latino and Latina mentors that have really come in and given me amazing opportunities. Yeah. But I also had some that haven't. And I think you have to go, you can't go into this all doe-eyed, like, oh my gosh, it's an all-Latino team. We're all going to kumbaya. No, you're not. But <laughs> don't be open to not doing it. But at the same time, like, just trust your instincts, trust your gut and trust who you are as a person and who you keep around and, and your work ethic. It it bleeds into everything you do. Right. And so people know, like, if Elisa says something to you, you must have really done something. If Elisa speaks up, if Elisa, you know, takes you. I'm not a passive aggressive person. I'm very straightforward. I'm very like quote unquote aggressive sometimes. But people know that about me. And because I'm like that. And not a disrespectful way, people respect that. And they're just like, no, that's Elisa. So if you did something, what'd you do? <laughs> you know, and so, but I think it's important that you kind of that all of us, right? Like when you told me to come on this podcast, it's like, let's do it. Like, you know, and oh, you obviously was I respect down, your girl. You was Yeah, you know, and I, I respect <laughs> your work and everything. And but girl, I said yes. Like, I didn't look at numbers. I didn't I didn't look at nothing. I was like, let's do it. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if two people see this. It's going to be me and you watching it. I'm good. Let's do it. You know, because yeah. everyone starts somewhere. And I think unless we support our own, how are you going to grow? Like, I want, I want yeah. yourself to be national. I want, I want to be like, oh, I was on, I was on this season. Now she's on season 48 and I was on eh? season five. At, you know, like, I want that because there's strength in knowing that another one made it in a different medium, right? Because being a yeah. podcast host is hard. Hosting a podcast Girl. is hard editing a podcast is hard and i know because i did it i did it for a year that i was like yeah, this ain't for me <laughs> like yeah. i can i can i can rah rah day and talk but Girl. like editing and captions and essay like seos are all that it it takes a lot so i you know mm-hmm. you gave me my flowers earlier i'm gonna give you your flowers to Girl. go out and get your own guests to go out and edit this podcast to go out and create topics like for the viewers out there, she sent me a whole email with an itinerary. We're going to talk about this, 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 and that. That takes organization Girl. and time. And I want you to um, know I respect your time. I respect you. I respect what you're doing. And I think this is just the beginning because it's one of those things that we have to continue to support one another and really mean it. Like, I stand on what I say. And so I'm never going to say anything that Girl. I don't mind coming back to me. So they say, hey, Lisa, we heard you said this. I did. Want to talk about it? Because <laughs> we could go on this podcast and talk about it. Girl, part part 10, part 10. I appreciate those flowers. And I will tell you, like, you were so, I love how down you were. Like, I had mentioned it. Like, you should be on my podcast. And you're like, when? When's, what's, when is it happening? Like, you were so, you were so serious. January? I was like, girl. <laughs> I was like, yeah, girl, I'm going on vacation. But no, this is this has been so beautiful. And I'm honestly down for a part two because I can keep asking you questions for days. But Let's thank you for making women feel that they can be exactly who they are on screen, off screen, in whatever space they're in. Like, thank you for just representing the community, the people, you too, the women. Girl. Long nails, big hoops. Uh, youngest child because listen we got we got a different type of sasson okay you know what i'm saying it's a different kind of survival tactics girl and you know my my siblings always tell me you had it so easy compared to us you had it so oh my god that's like, you know what they tell me i just all made the time. i made better decisions than them that's what because i watched y'all i watched y'all do stuff and i'm like mm-mm, mm-mm, i ain't doing that mm-mm. 
I'm not getting locked like, out of the house. Oh, you got hit for that? Oh, I'm not doing that. Like, exactly. you know what I'm saying? You, you do learn to be very self-sufficient and very independent. And, yes, you know, I posted on my story the other day because I did the whole transition of, like, me in high school and the quote of me saying I want to go to yeah. USC and then me going to USC. And I got a full ride to USC. And, like, I did that because, you know, watching my parents and dealing with three kids and they were building a new house, they, they were in a lot of stress. So my mentality was like, you know what? I got this. Don't worry about me. I'm going to do what I got to do, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going to community college and I went to USC, but like my parents didn't come out of pocket for that. And there was no way my parents were going to be able to afford USC, but I did what I handled what I needed to handle to get there. And I think that's the biggest thing and the obstacle that I want to make sure every Latino knows out there. Like there's resources out there. There's free money out there. Like it ain't, it. it's not about, you know, you have to accept. Yeah. Sometimes stuff is stacked against you. All right. Well, I'm going to knock them down. Like, you can't just keep looking at how high the pillar is. You have to look for the weak point and knock that shit down. Like, put it in your Girl, reach. Just talk about it. These <laughs> gems, we gonna have way too many quotes for this episode. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay, we need some merchandise. We oh, need some quotes. T-shirts. Like, stickers. Girl, just fire. Fire. Just <laughs> gems. Left and right. I can't. Like, I'm just. I'm trying to dodge them like girl or cash them. I mean, like I'm trying to be like girl, girl all the gems and just be I'm here. Saying. But this space is so beautiful. I'm actually so down for a part two because I want to talk about you being like just a woman and being Latina. Yeah. Because now one thing that I talk about a lot is like being first gen, you're the first to go to school mm-hmm. or first to like get yeah. into this industry, first to do this, first to do that. And you get told these rules, like when you're young, like mm-hmm. go to school, be educated, don't get pregnant. Don't be Mm -hmm. out with these men. Don't be on the streets. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm hitting an age where my family starts asking me, ¿Y el novio? Uh ¿Y el novio? ¿Y los hijos? And I'm like, ¿Y cuando te vas a casar? I was like, look, your lecture was so good when I was 14 that it just kind of stuck with me. (laughs) I took it to heart, dad. I took it to heart. (laughs) I'm like, make up your mind. What you you want? ¿Qué quieres? ¿Qué quieres? Exactly. Exactly. Like, look. Okay, well, I... Girl, I could keep talking to you for days. I want to wrap up this conversation <laughs> with the Vinindis. I have my mm-hmm. little cafecito. I know you have your water. I have my water. I want to give you the space. What do you want to cheers to? And Ooh. what do you want to manifest for our Latino community? All right. So I'm really big on this. So I want to cheers to 2024. It's the Kobe year that I've been calling it. So cheers to 2024. And what I mean by that is... I'm manifesting going after whatever you want, no matter how big, no matter how small, put it out there, you know? And for me, it's like, I want an opportunity to be on camera, like full time. And that's what I'm going for. I'm doing the proper things. I'm networking. I'm going to events. I'm hosting panels. I'm doing what I need to do because I have to put in the hard work. And that's big on what mama mentality and what Kobe was all about. It's like hard work will be luck anytime you know and I think it's one of those things that we have to always push forward and understand like you are your biggest competition and don't worry about what other people are doing worry about what you're doing and understand that when your time comes you need to be ready don't lose an opportunity because you weren't prepared because you thought it was never going to happen and so for me 2024 it's the Kobe year time to get stuff done job's not finished let's finish it cheers to you Period. Girl, the <laughs> gems are real. <laughs> we gonna try. see you on the big screen, girl. Big, big mm. screen. 
so mm-hmm. beautiful having you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all, I won't even lie to you. Me and Elisa stayed on longer after this episode stopped recording because we was just we were we were in a whole vibe and. I cannot wait for y'all to follow this woman, be inspired by her, and pending part two. But I'm going to see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. All Hella Latino updates are on Hella Latino Podcast on Instagram, also on my LinkedIn, and my website, odalisjasmine.com, has way more information. Pero con mucho amor, tu amiga Lureña. Abrazos.